This is episode 162 of IDRA Class Notes. Traditionally, the schools and organizations who've been able to adopt maker-focused tools and technologies have been middle-income to high-income schools because some of it is expensive. But I think that every child should have the opportunity to do this kind of work. And because it's become so popular, there have been engineers and makers who are trying to make low-cost and open-source tools that are affordable that schools can buy and use in their classrooms because that, that divide is kind of slowly shortening and shortening so that people can afford this kind of stuff. Hi, my name is Lori Posner, and I'm a senior education associate with IDRA. I'm here this afternoon talking with Mark Barnett, IDRA's new chief IT strategist. Welcome, Mark. Hi, how's it going? For those of you who already know, IDRA works with thousands of educators each year across the country. And as our new chief IT strategist, Mark Barnett, is going to be helping to define the technology strategy and vision for working with educators, community members, business leaders, uh, and policymakers to assure that we achieve high-quality educational opportunities for all children. So welcome, Mark. We're so glad that you're joining us at IDRA, and we have a chance to talk with you this afternoon. You um, have a really extensive background both in STEM and in technology and maker education. I wanted to just uh, talk with you a bit about how did you get started in your interest in technology? I guess I was a classroom teacher and I taught uh, middle school science and I I really liked environmental science and and I love teaching that but I always kind of like wanted to augment my classes with technology. So I started having kids, you know, make things and design things and using computers. And from that kind of led into me eventually doing a robotics program at my school. It was the first robotics program in the school at that time. And we did really well. And it kind of grew from there. My interest just kept growing and growing and growing until I was helping to start other robotics teams um, and getting more students and more schools interested in robotics and now Texas is probably one of the uh, biggest states as far as number of robotics teams. Wow. So what is it about robotics that you found so valuable in your work with kids? Uh, there's a lot of math and science concepts that come to life through robotics. And just those aha moments that students would have when, when we talk about ratio. And, and when you're just writing it down on paper, or a multiple choice question doesn't make any sense. But whenever I put a 10 tooth gear to a two tooth gear, like you can see like, well, there's the ratio. And what does that mean? And how is that going to affect my robot? Mm-hmm. And so we start to talk about these math and science concepts of force and motion and how they relate to something. And so there, there's power in having kids do things hands on. And so they're, they're physically using these technologies in their hands and getting to see them work. You know, I notice that sometimes you're online referred to refer to yourself as Maker Mark. What is the Maker <laughs> education movement about? For those who aren't familiar with it, back in like the the seventies and eighties, there was shop class in schools, and in the the nineties, in the kind of the cuts to the arts and liberal arts programs, those kind of classes were taken away, and so Maker is kind of this new spin on that same kind of workforce development and technology and hands-on kind of tools and equipment stuff. It, it started in the, in the Bay Area with a magazine called Make Magazine, and it was kind of a DIY enthusiast, backyard engineering kind of hobbyist magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of grew into this thing called Maker Fair, and Maker Fair is a, 
are events that happen all over the world where people who do this kind of stuff come and meet and show off their things that they've made and connect and share. And from there, the founder of Make Magazine started the Maker Education Initiative, which is a national nonprofit that aims at getting these types of tools and technologies into classrooms so that project-based learning and, and experiential-based learning comes to life in classrooms through this lens of the, you know, called Maker. It's not always robotics. It's not always technology things. It's Sometimes it's making cardboard and popsicle stick engineering projects. And it's, it has a real foundation in a learning theory called constructionism, which was developed by Seymour Papert at MIT. It takes a, kind of the next step of constructivism, which is a, you know, a, a learning pedagogy. And constructionism is you know, the hands-on aspect of that and learning how things work and putting things together and learning by doing. So all of that kind of coming together coalesce around the maker movement in education, and I've been very involved in kind of spreading that knowledge and getting more people to, to be a part of it. And did this interest in making things for you start when you were young? Did uh, yeah. You, did you like to build and tinker? And I, I, mostly, I mostly broke things. Yeah, <laughs> I mostly destroyed things. Um, but like, like what learning, did you, what did you break, for example? Uh, radios, and I um, I'm a child of the '80s, and so Ghostbusters was a really big movie in my childhood, mm-hmm. and I was determined to make a, a proton pack. Oh, okay. And okay. so, like, I had which has a lot of application. <laughs> yeah, think about it. there's a lot of science in that. There is. So, like, I was taking apart toasters and radios and just trying to like. Even if it didn't work, as long as it like aesthetically looked like something that would a Ghostbuster would use, and so I guess ever since then I've always just had an interest in making and doing things. I was an early adopter of 3D printing, and so before 3D printers were commercially available, I um, ordered a kit from the Ukraine from one of the original creators of this 3D printing system, and it came in a box with a thousand parts and a single page of Ukrainian instructions. And four months later, I had a working 3D printer, like before almost anybody in the U.S. had a working 3D printer. Oh, that's great. I, too, mess with toasters, but I just had to remember to turn them off and not use a fork. You know, <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's dangerous, yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous. So kind of switching gears, you know, for a moment, I know that you gave this talk at TEDx San Antonio. Everyone is a maker, but not everyone has access, and that Issues of access and equity are um, are areas of, of great commitment for you. First question about TEDx and talks. Do you have to be named TED to give a TED Talk? <laughs> nope. TED, no. TED is, a, is an acronym. Their tagline is like technology and ideas in action. I forget what TED actually stands for. I what, should know that as a speaker, right? <laughs> what, was your, um, what was your talk about? What is everyone is a maker but not everyone has access about? So traditionally, the schools and organizations who've been able to adopt these maker-focused tools and technologies have been middle-income to high-income schools that, have, that can afford this kind of stuff because some of it is expensive. But I think that every child should have the opportunity to do this kind of work. And because it's become so popular, there, there's been engineers and makers who are trying to like make low-cost and open-source tools. And so I'm trying to spread awareness of these low-cost open-source tools that are affordable that schools can buy and use in their classrooms because that, that divide is kind of slowly uh, shortening and shortening so that people can afford this kind of stuff. So could you give us an example of what kind of tool would that be that's open-source and affordable for a classroom? 
One of the tools that I talked about in my TED Talk is a computer called the Raspberry Pi, which is a $35 single board computer that basically does everything that a regular desktop computer would do. Like if you, if you were to buy a, a Dell desktop computer that costs $600 $800, this cheap and affordable computer can do just about all the same things that that computer can do and even more because not only is it a computer, but it can also be a robot or a radio or can be like an online device. And so what kinds of things, if, you know, if you're a school leader and you would like to go ahead and bring technology into the classroom in ways that it isn't now, you want to engage students through STEM and technology projects with more hands-on learning, what would you say are some good steps that school leaders can take? Well, it makes sense to look at your budget first and kind of see what's available. There's a hundred different technology products out there, and there are companies that try to sell those to you. It makes sense to, to know the purpose for, mm-hmm. for the reason why you're buying technology. Don't buy technology just to have the shiniest thing in the school, but have an intended use and purpose for that technology. And so, you know, Raspberry Pi computers serve lots of different functions and purposes, just from replacing desktops all the way to preparing kids for the workforce. Because the Raspberry Pi computers use an operating system called Linux, which is what real computer programmers use, and that's kind of how they get some of their credentials. And so not only are students who use Raspberry Pis learning, but they're also becoming workforce ready. And so your talk included examples like Raspberry Pi and other mm-hmm. open source software yeah. and hardware that schools well, can Even adopt. 3D printers are becoming open source and more affordable. A lot of the high-end desktop 3D printers that are available in the market right now are going to cost two to $15,000. And there's several companies now that are making open source tools that are powered by Raspberry Pis, some of them, that cost two or $300 that produce the same results that a $5,000 3D printer would do. Wow, that's great. And I also know that you've been drawing on your experience as a leader with Geekbus and the work that Geekbus did for those who are familiar in San Antonio. Could you tell us just a little bit more about Geekbus and what did it accomplish? Uh, so the Geekbus, it's an RV, this 40-foot recreational vehicle, turned into a, a makerspace on wheels that travels to schools. And the primary goal with the Geekbus was to take these technologies to schools that had never seen this kind of stuff before. And because it was mobile, when we took it to the valley and we took it to you know these rural areas outside of you know, urban areas and, and places where students had, had never even been exposed to these kind of technologies. And the, the primary purpose was to get students more engaged in STEM through technology and through projects, but also to get schools interested in the idea itself. And so teacher professional development and you know getting the principals on the bus and letting them see the students and how excited they are about some of the technologies that they get to use and learn with. And it wasn't just for show either. Every time that the Geek Bus came to a school, there was a class. And so students would, would take a class in robotics or a class in 3D printing or engineering, video game design. And so every time that the kids took a class, there was a tangible that they got to take away. We used open source tools so that they could replicate that back at home. Hmm. What do you think is the biggest barrier that keeps us from making the most of technology that already exists, if it's affordable and available and and ubiquitous, what's stopping us from being more effective in using it or using it more frequently than we do? I still believe there's a lot of fear around technology, a lot of fear to adopt technologies in schools because from a leadership standpoint and from a financial standpoint, the cost is still high and, and schools aren't always aware of what's available. So they tend to just go with iPads or they go with Chromebooks or, you know, kind of like just copying what they've seen in other districts. 
And so it takes a really innovative leader to take a jump and use technology that hasn't been used before and to make that work. We see cases of it and we see it happening more and more and I just want to help expand it. Well, we're really excited that you're here at IDRA and can help to spark that kind of innovation and creativity in the people that you connect with in the field. I know that there is a link, at least I hear that there will be a link through our show notes to your TED Talk, your TEDx San Antonio Talk. Everyone is a maker, but not everyone has access. So we want to encourage our listeners to check that out. Also, we welcome your feedback at IDRA Podcasts and so that we can continue to improve these podcasts. I want to thank Mark Barnett for joining us today. And Mark, just to give you the last word, what is your vision for children in terms of uh, technology and technology innovation? I think that technology and specifically the Internet is the great equalizer. And any, any child who has access to technology and the Internet has the same access that everybody else has. Oh, you know, whether you're a rural person who lives in India or somebody who's in an inner city in an urban area like New York, that equals the playing field for everyone. Thank you so much. Great to hear from you, Mark. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.